Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. So this is the fifth week of our series, The Way In is the Way On. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about what gets in the way of our going deeper with Jesus, part two. Um, you may remember Danielle uh, taught part one of uh, this, this topic, and, and I'm so grateful she covered the topic of sin so that I don't have to do that, which is, uh, I may mention it now and then because it does get in the way. But, uh, so what we're going to do this morning is uh, we'll pray and then we'll look at an encounter between Jesus and a rich man, and then I'm going to share some of the things that have come between me and going deeper with Jesus and how Holy Spirit has, uh, has worked through that with me and given me opportunities to, uh, to choose to go deeper. And while I'm doing that, what I'd like for you to do is to think about these questions and to even write down your thoughts. And if, if you need paper, um, uh, some folks are coming who will uh, give you a sheet of paper if, if you just... Uh, Say you want one. And what I'd like for you to write down is, as, as this teaching is going on, what's God saying to you about what uh, may be getting in the way of your going deeper with Jesus? And what is Holy Spirit saying about things that you could do or choices that you could make to get past that barrier with God's help? So... Jesus talks with a rich guy. This is uh, in Mark chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 17, and it's on the screen, or if you can't see that far, you can look at your phone or whatever. Mark wrote, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. This is, this is uh, feels like a pretty dangerous thing that Jesus said. Um, and I've, I've wrestled with that and uh, thought, well, actually I'm safe because Jesus had never specifically asked me to sell everything I have and give it to the poor. 
And so if he does that, you know, we'll deal with that when we come to it. But uh, right now, um, but safety is not so much because uh, Jesus is not only talking about money. That was the case with this guy. But Jesus is talking about things, feelings, uh, ways we are, attachments that keep us from going deeper with Jesus. This rich guy was operating in his false self. He thought he could find intimacy with God, like you saw Jesus experiencing by just getting a few hints from Jesus and then going back and working on his do-it-yourself spirituality. And he was really good at doing stuff, but uh, boy, Jesus wasn't going there. And it starts off, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. What, what does that mean? I think what Jesus is saying there is this isn't about being good. This isn't about how many commandments you can say you obey. This is going deeper than that. And Jesus told the guy what he already knew about uh, uh, the, the commandments. And the, the guy said, well, I've been doing all of those since I was a kid. And then this, this lovely verse, Jesus looked at this man and just felt sincere love for the guy. And maybe out of that sincere love, Jesus answers the question that the guy doesn't know he's asking. Anything else on there I need to say? So the question the guy didn't know he was asking. Um, he said, trying to run this, this race, trying to uh, uh, run the spiritual marathon, I suppose, the way that you're trying to do it, just trying to do it by yourself, is like trying to run a marathon more in a backpack full of rocks. And here's how you can be free. Give it all away. And then you'll be free enough to come and follow me. And that's the way that you can find this eternal life that you're asking about. You can find, you can get rid of your do-it-yourself false self and find the true self that I've created you for and created in you, the self that uh, relies on me. And becoming that true self is the only way to find the eternal life that you're seeking. And then there's a line, you, you won't hear this line very much. The man walked away sad because he was so rich. And yet, there was some real sadness there. So really, our, our question for the morning is... Um, What's holding me back? What is my false self trying to do to, uh, to get what God offers for free? How am I behaving like it's my job to 
win eternal life either by my willpower or by, by my uh, good looks and winning personality or perhaps by working harder than anyone else or being smarter than anyone else. What is it that I'm relying on instead of relying on Jesus? What do I need to let go of to find the life that I desire with Jesus? And my, my, my hope is that God will be talking to us about those questions even as this teaching continues. And write down whatever uh, thoughts come. Meanwhile, I, I thought I'd look back at, at uh, parts of my life and, and look at what barriers I've run into that have kept me from going deeper with Jesus and how Holy Spirit has uh, overcome them, helped me make the decisions I needed to make to get past them. Um, when I was a, a teenager, it was a pretty miserable time for me. Uh, just for a lot of reasons I won't go into right now. But somehow, and, and as I think back on it, the only reason I can think of is because God put this in me. I had this thought, this, this belief that the, the, the solution to my unhappiness was at church. I didn't know which church. I didn't know what it was about church that, that would help, but Jesus was reaching out to me even before I knew him and, and put that desire in me and gave me a way to respond to the desire he put into me to uh, do what I had to do to find a way to go to church. My family went occasionally, but um, I was pretty much on my own as far as going to church went. And, and in that, God started to teach me a, a pattern and, and to teach me uh, what, what I think is an invaluable truth. And I've put it up on the screens. God is always the one who initiates a relationship with him. God always goes first. And we respond to God reaching out to us, uh, drawing us to himself. Most often, there's something I need to do to respond. My response is necessary. Um, God calls me, I don't respond. How can anything get going? But my response is not sufficient. It doesn't just get the job done. It, it, Jesus is the one who got the job done. And I can't somehow make my way just uh, saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and, and I want you to reward me. No, my response is necessary, but it's not sufficient. And God showed me this when, when I was uh, 16. Um, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia from Southern California. My stepfather had uh, a new job. And I started going to this Methodist church in uh, the Atlanta area, and my mom would drive me to church in the morning and come pick me up afterwards, and um, I was the only one going. And this Methodist church, only Methodist church I've ever seen like this, at the end of every service had an altar call. The pastor said, anyone who wants to give your life to Jesus, come on up front. 
And nobody ever did. But Holy Spirit said, you need to do that. And I said, don't have a lot of problem with giving my life to Jesus, but walking all the way up to the front of the church and drawing all that attention to myself, uh, um, uh, can't we find a different way? And the Holy Spirit said, no. <laughs> and week after week, I'd go to church and feel that urge and resist it, and, and it got to where it was ruining my weeks. And finally, um, it was easier to obey than it was to resist. And so I went up to the front of the church at the end of a service, and it was much worse than I ever imagined. I <laughs> dissolved into this thing of snot and tears. And um, meanwhile, the pastor was trying to welcome this lovely new young couple who had uh, made their way into the church because nobody answered the altar call ever, and so he filled in with other things. But uh, here I am just sort of throwing a monkey wrench in his plans. But God started something new. And my, my, my response was necessary. It wasn't sufficient, but it was necessary. And I really didn't know what I'd gotten myself into. I couldn't have told you the basics of the gospel message at the time, but I knew that somehow... God at church had done something in my life. And not long after that, I uh, uh, managed to escape from home and, and move to uh, Central California with, with my grandmother and grandfather. I went to a Methodist church there, and they had Methodist Youth Fellowship, a couple weekend retreats and a week-long camp that I went to. And they were at this gorgeous place on Lake Tahoe called Skylandia, right at the uh, edge of the lake. And it was lovely. And I think for me, that was like what a lot of our teens in our church has exp have experienced with Reverb. It was a place where God showed me this thing that was astounding, that there were people who were in love with Jesus, and they were so in love with Jesus that that changed the way that they were, and it changed the way that they related to people in community, and it just filled them with joy, and I said, that's what I want. And God started teaching me about Holy Spirit and about being filled more deeply with Holy Spirit. And I wanted to go as deep as God would take me. And for a couple years, I enjoyed this kind of honeymoon with Jesus, where there was joy and there was community, and God was showing me the true self he created to me, me to be and, and to helping me rely on him and... Uh, giving me the joy of being in a community of people who loved him deeply. Jesus initiated. I responded, and Holy Spirit used that to just make a huge difference in my life. But then the honeymoon ended. And, and actually, uh, even before that, I... I was trying to straddle the fence. I was trying to have one foot in God's kingdom and the other foot in the age of Aquarius. And uh, 
It was like it was an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. And I'd say, okay, it's your turn today, or it's your turn today. And I had friends that I uh, um, smoked dope with and, and uh, just had a life, a double life, that leached the happiness out of my relationship with God. And God showed me through, through examples and through teachings and through scripture, because I was still going to church while all this was going on. He showed me what uh, a disciplined and obedient life could look like. And there were times when I tried really hard to live that life. And I think... Uh, God left me there to show me that I couldn't do it. My efforts were not sufficient. Over and over again, I was like the rich man who couldn't surrender and went away sad. And my sins got between me and God and took away most of the joy and wonder of, of my first love. But God never stopped reaching out to me. I always remembered the honeymoon and what it had felt like to live deeply committed to, deeply in love with Jesus. And then I, 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 a little bit later, reached that point in my life where married children career. And that can be a tough time in life, as many of you have experienced or are experiencing right now. It's just a lot. For me, those were often difficult years. I pushed myself to work probably more hours than I was really capable of, and I was chronically exhausted. And I used to tell myself that I don't relax, I collapse. And it was too true to be that funny. And I focused on being the head of my household and making money in order to support uh, uh, my entire family and make it possible for my kids to go to college. And we didn't have big house or new cars, but, but we had enough. And I'd be away from home sometimes for three weeks off working in, in some other state. And uh, that left Martha as a single parent home with our two very young children. And in the midst of all of this, I was caught in a culture of competition, but also bullying, like I just did to the music stand. And it was almost like when I was growing up, just these constant battles with my stepfather, and now it was other constant battles, and it just, it took life out of me. And I'd start getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning in order to have an hour where I could actually do something that I wanted to do. And, and, and sometimes I'd pray, and sometimes I'd exercise, sometimes I'd write or read or play guitar or, or whatever, but... Um, that was my attempt to just find some time in the midst of that, that chronic busyness. And uh, 
I remember I would take my copy of My Utmost for His Highest. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah. It's daily devotional, really good stuff. I'd take it with me to the bathroom and sit in the stall for five minutes and read the day's devotion in order to have just a little bit of time trying to connect with God in a life that uh, just seemed too busy for that. I look back and I ask myself, why did I live that way? And I think in large part it was fear. I was afraid if I didn't, I'd lose my job, I'd fail at providing for my family, I'd just be this worthless, useless blob of failure. And uh, I couldn't go there. Did I ever consider trusting God to take care of my family? It certainly occurred to me. Um, But I was locked inside this false self, fear and distrust. I carried a lot of trauma from my childhood. and, And there had been a number of times when I had tried relying on a person to help me at a time when I really needed help, and that person said, yeah, okay, and then disappeared. And it convinced me that I was on my own. And it even infected my relationship with God. God, I love you, I trust you, I need your help, but I'm going to keep something in the bank in order to Preserve my life if you decide to uh, go away like everybody else has done. But then there was a time when God reached out to me with this unexpected grace and started rooting out my false self and giving me, in return, a true self. And I think it started when Martha and I found this church that actually helped us, uh, but I'll talk about my experience, helped me live a life of more obedience to Jesus. First time I walked in the doors of this church, I felt Holy Spirit. And I knew it from my Jesus people days uh, uh, back in college. And I said, well, that's a surprise. I haven't felt that in a long time. Maybe you feel Holy Spirit's presence right now. This, this, this soothing uh, otherness that um, if you pay attention to it, well, what's that? It's Holy Spirit. And the people at this church were real. I'd been to churches where everybody dressed up to go to church and the dressing up included this mask with a smile painted on it. But if you looked in the eyes, you could tell. If you try to get beyond this mask, I'll rip you limb to limb. And instead of that, the people at this church were real. They didn't hide what they struggled with, but shared it and and looked for opportunities to... um, Take it to Jesus and get prayer. And the main teacher at this church actually believed that we could find freedom from sin now instead of having to wait until we went to heaven. 
Yeah, that intrigued me. I'd never heard anybody teach him that before. And I was reading through Romans and came to Romans 6, and, and it says, we are no longer slaves to sin. I said, that's what I am. I'm a slave to sin. And here God is saying that it's possible for me to not be that anymore. And the Holy Spirit was saying there's help here. You and I both know you can't do this on your own, but if you'll make your best effort and trust me to transform you, guess what? I will. Holy Spirit taught me that God brings the change. God initiates. God goes first. And my best efforts are necessary but not sufficient. And years later, uh, I felt God sort of releasing me from the job I was at and giving me the opportunity to do something different. And God topped that off with the most wonderful thing. I got to work as a staff pastor at that church that Martha and I had come to love. And that was such a gift. And I responded to that gift with full-on false self. I came in with uh, my full false self battle mode, guns blazing. I was going to prove to this church that they did the right thing by hiring me and God was going to use me to do all sorts of stuff. And I stuck my nose everywhere it didn't belong and I mostly just annoyed the other people on staff. And uh, it didn't take me long before I realized that um, my false self approach was just hurting me and annoying other people. And, uh, boy, what do you do now? I got scared again. I got frustrated with myself, but this, this extraordinary thing happened. I was feeling like, oh, I'm a failure, and David and Debbie and the other staff responded with kindness and with understanding. And, and I was stunned by that. It was confusing. They seemed to be saying that I, as a person, as a child of God, was more important than what I was able to do or what I couldn't do. They seemed to be saying that they loved and valued me. And my false self-bluster really wasn't necessary. And we I'll be a lot happier if I just be who I am, warts and all. And by God's grace, the uh, Holy Spirit gave me the, the strength to say yes. And God continued the slow process of getting my fearful, boastful, do-it-myself, false self out of the way and started taking me to deeper places where he awakened more and more of my true self. And, boy, my, my angel devil uh, thing just, just kept on. One of the things I was excited about working in the church was I'm going to get to spend more time praying. And so I got ready for that. And I bought a notebook and it had the, the different uh, sections, and I made a section for intercessory prayer, and a section for supplication prayer, and a section for adoration, and a section for the Lord's Prayer, and prayers for people to be saved, and, and other things. And then I wrote lists 
in each of those sections, and I'd pray by coming to God and, and sort of elaborating on my lists. And that didn't last very long. Because it's sort of like I was telling God what to do. It was like people talk about their spouse giving them a honey-do list to occupy what they thought was going to be free time. And I was giving God a God-do list. If you do this and this and this, God, things will be better. And, you know, he sort of knew that. I couldn't pray that way anymore. It just felt false. My do-it-myself self had failed again. And then the Holy Spirit initiated some new things. I heard about the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, and something inside of me just wanted to do that, to pray those exercises for eight months. And I found out that you can't do that unless you have a spiritual director, and I said, oh, fine, I'll find a spiritual director. And started working with Kim, who I've been working with for, I don't know, seven or eight years. And uh, um, she and I did the spiritual exercises together, but it wasn't for two or three years after I started working with her. First of all, she helped me, among other things, she helped me to learn how to pray and to understand that, that prayer can be silence and solitude. Prayer can be Centering prayer, breath prayers, welcoming prayer, examine. Um, all sorts of ways. She helped me understand that whenever I did anything to intentionally bring myself into God's presence, that was a way of praying. And Kim helped me get past my false self notions of God and to uh, come more in touch with the true self that God had created me to be. And then Holy Spirit went deeper. I had always, uh, in my ego, I suppose, thought that if I'm not the chief leader of an organization, a church, nonprofit, whatever, if I'm not the number one leader of an organization, then I am a failure and my life has been a failure and um, it became clear that I wasn't ever going to be CEO of anything. And I, I felt like, can you guess? A failure. And um, God let me uh, sit in my uh, own self-induced uh, self shame about that for a while. And then Holy Spirit invited me to realize that my value, my worth, my success, if you will, was in trusting Jesus, who had already done all the things that needed to be done, and I could find my value in Jesus' love for me. And Holy Spirit helped me say, yes, I'll give up that other uh, a dream and... and find my reality in you, which was so good because I finally realized that if I'd been the CEO of anything, I would have hated it. That would have been a totally false self thing and it would have made me miserable. And so, thank God. 
And then God initiated again after a while. And, and some of these things lasted for years, this process. And uh, God helped me see that I had a false self-based need to preach and teach, especially on Sunday morning. And God helped me see that that was an inordinate desire. It came from my false self. It didn't come from God. It wasn't about serving. It was about my ego. And God took me through uh, a personally painful time of surrendering all of my preaching to God. And there was a point where I didn't know if I'd ever preach again. And the Holy Spirit said, you have to be okay with that. And I said, God, I want what you want. And then uh, God gave me more opportunities, but it's been different. And just recently, I mean just in the last month or two, Holy Spirit has been showing me how I live carrying this constant current of anxiety in my gut. I'm always anxious about something and uh, then stuff comes up and it, it escalates that. And especially as, as a leader in this church where we're moving toward a leadership model of seeing Jesus as the leader of our church, and we get to participate in various ways as we discern what it is that Jesus wants us to do. And I said, well, wait a minute, Jesus. I mean, I have all of these ideas, and I could make a plan and make a, a chart and get together a group of people and work with them and make sure, and the Holy Spirit says, ah, nah, Bill, why don't you just relax? I've got this. And I said, oh, good, and grind my teeth. But Holy Spirit has been leading me into this place where I can catch paper as it blows off the stand. Anybody know where I am? <laughs> Not there. There, okay. Holy Spirit has gotten me to this point where I've prayed, God, I want to live without anxiety. And, you know, there's, there's still anxiety, and it still comes up and goes down. But I've been noticing that I can just say, oh, that's anxiety, that's false, that's not God. And just take a deep breath and blow it out and Boy, I like living without anxiety as much as I can with God's help. feels a lot better than just thinking I'm responsible for everything, which I have a tendency to do. So that's, that's just some of what I've been remembering about various times in my life when God gave me the opportunity to go deeper and I had barriers that kept me from going deeper and the Holy Spirit worked with me and showed me how I could choose to go deeper with Jesus. And the way in is the way on. Holy Spirit sees us and, and, and we're lost without Jesus and Holy Spirit says, well here, here's some love and it can be for you. And uh, here's 
how you can receive it. And we maybe fight against that. And I don't want to. But eventually, Holy Spirit brings us in and we make that choice and we say yes to Jesus. And that's the way in. And this would be a great time for the worship team to come up. Finally, it's done. And that way in, that's how the journey continues. We leave behind our do-it-yourself false self. We give up relying on our, our self to try to prove to Jesus that we're worthwhile. And instead, we embrace the new self, the trusting self that Jesus has given us. And uh, we find ways that, that to respond. Holy Spirit shows us, and we do that. And God works ever deeper transformation. This keeps going on for the rest of your life. As God takes us deeper and deeper into the life Jesus has for us. And the invitation, the, 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 the way in is the way on. So the way in and on is simple. Uh, it's not easy, but it's simple. Ask God to show you what's standing in the way of you going deeper with Jesus today, right now. Then ask Holy Spirit to show you what it would look like for you to say yes and go deeper with Jesus and find that freedom. And then say yes to God and then commence rejoicing.